Father, Lord, I uh, just thank you, Father, uh, just for this night. Thank you that you would just gather all of us here tonight, Father. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would meet us here. Pray for your Holy Spirit, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help me speak tonight, Lord, and you would just hide me behind your cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so the, for the past few years of my life, since fifth grade, uh, I've played football. I love football. I love the game ever since I came to the United States. I was actually born in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And ever since I started playing football, when I got to America, I've always, like, tried my best to be the best player I can be. And so, by God's grace, I got an opportunity to come play football here at Georgetown. I got a football scholarship, and I had to learn quickly football was different here. You know, it's not the same type of football we played uh, in Texas. And one of the things that I had to learn was about summer workouts. And summer workouts were just difficult because you would think it's the summer, it'd be a time to chill and relax, but it's really a time to grind. And so our summer workouts would usually start at about 6 a.m. and go all the way up to 10. And during that time, what we would be doing is we would run sprints. After sprints, we'd go lift weights. After that, you'd go take a summer class if you're taking classes. And then in the evening, we'd come back and do the same process or run routes or just do little fundamental things to help us get better at our game. And so now I'm at the point of my life where I've been so used to being disciplined with working out, lifting weights, this constant process. For the first time this past summer, I had freedom. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to work out. I didn't have to run. I could totally eat whatever I wanted. I wasn't on a diet. Not that I wasn't on a diet when I played on the team. But uh, I learned that after getting off of that discipline lifestyle of my life, this is what happens when you kind of stop being disciplined. So that was me and my, my roommate from Georgetown. We decided to race after our football careers ended, and he just killed me. And Kim is right there not even cheering me on, my own fiancé. I'm just like, geez, Kim, like, show me some love. Um, but uh, very grateful to speak to you guys tonight. Thank you for Bonnie for giving me the opportunity to speak uh, just on a life of discipline. And so tonight, uh, I'm going to read one of Paul's letters in 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bible, also be up. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 24 to 27. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached up to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Here Paul is talking to the church of the Corinthians, and they know exactly the analogy he's using because at the time, they knew about the Olympus Games. It used to happen every four years just like it happens now. And so the cool thing in this passage is what he does in that analogy, he transposes the Olympus games to everyone's walk with Christ. He says, 
when you, when you see these athletes train, think about the way you train in your, in your own life with Christ. When you see these athletes deny themselves, deny their bodies, think about how you deny yourself and the, and the desires of your heart. When you see these athletes going for a prize, think about the prize of it having Jesus in your life. And so you can see that he transposes the Olympus games to the gospel. To know that in our walk, we are also chasing the ultimate prize, is what he's trying to tell the church of Corinthians. Now keep in mind, talking about discipline in this passage, he's talking about spiritual discipline. Spiritual discipline being as fasting, praying, serving, tithing even, worshiping. Because there's a lot of disciplines we often take, whether it's we tell ourselves, I'm going to do my homework tonight. Something I don't have to worry about anymore, praise God. Uh, I'm going to go to the gym and work out. I'm going to do this amount of work. But here he's talking about spiritual disciplines. And our spiritual disciplines that he talks about here is only going to get us closer to Christ, to our ultimate prize, and that is Jesus. Because the goal of our spiritual disciplines is to know Christ. It's not about our efforts in doing them, how we do them, but it's like being like Christ and getting to know him more, getting to know what Christ offers, peace, life, forgiveness, mercy in his presence. Jesus is greater than any price we can ever think of. Bonnie spoke last week about the topic of alcohol, and that's a tough topic, especially only if you're of age, of course. Amen. And she mentioned the, uh, a verse in Ephesians 5.18 where Paul says, Do not get drunk with wine but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you think about that, is the only way you get drunk off of wine is by drinking excessive wine excessively, right? So that must mean then to get, to get filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to take in God's word. You have, to take him, you have to take Jesus in. The way we get to know Jesus more is by training and being disciples and being disciplined in our own lives. And that's what... Paul is speaking of in this passage. In another letter to Timothy, he tells him, but to have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of, the, of godliness. For boldly discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is a savior of all men, especially all believers. Paul is telling us here to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. We discipline ourselves to look more like Christ. As much as we love to look good physically, and trust me, I've worked out with a whole bunch of guys that when they're lifting dumbbells, they're just kind of looking themselves in the mirror. Every, every single rep, like, we love that. We love to look good physically. But he's saying here, like, that's good. But our spiritual health is even more important. Like, that's more important, which is why we need discipline in our spiritual exercises. Like our, like our, like our physical body, our spiritual health, needs to be exercised daily. It needs endurance. We need endurance in our walk with Jesus. We need strength in our walk with Jesus. 
Discipline yourself for godliness. Discipline yourself to look more like Christ. Usain Bolt, everyone knows Usain Bolt, like the fastest man in the world. He says this about training, his training. He says, competition is the easy part. And it's like Jamaican accent, though. <laughs> but behind the scenes is where all the work is done. Everything's done to get to that one race you need to run. I think a lot of people just see you run and they say, oh, look so easy, effortless. But before it gets to that point, it's hard. It's hard work. It's day in, day out sacrifice, day in, day out. Just during this time when you run and you just want to stop yourself and give up and say, forget this, I just want to go home. The day when you get up and you know what you have in training today, there's going to be pain there. Like, oh God, I don't want to go today, but you got to go. Discipline is hard. And if you think that's hard, disciplining yourself for godliness, to look like Christ, that's even harder. Like, I don't know about you, but following Jesus is not easy. If someone ever tells you following Christ is easy, they lie to you. I'm serious. Like, especially, how are we supposed to follow Jesus when I also have so little understanding of him? Like, what does that mean? Like, why does he want me to do that? Like, like, Jesus wants me to tithe. Jesus wants me to, to love my enemies. Even in 2016, with everything going on, Jesus wants me to wait for sex, even though I already know the woman I'm going to marry. That's crazy. <laughs> Jesus wants me to take interest in others rather than myself. This walk is hard. And I think that's why Paul is telling us, although this walk is hard, if we're spiritually disciplined, we can have Christ walk that walk with us. In the same way, um, wait, sorry guys, I mixed up the pages. <laughs> amen, amen. Um, in football, we have this technique called cup blocking. Isaac uses it all the time. Because this technique is usually for smaller guys who need... <laughs> not, sorry, 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 sorry. It's usually for small... Listen, listen. It's usually for smaller guys who need to block bigger defenders. And so if you're small and this big old guy is coming next to you, you cup block him. So you kind of like put your shoulder down and go straight for his leg so he can fall over, right? Because... If he came just straight at you, you would just be gone. <laughs> and, and so we, when I played here, we used to practice cut blocking on our own football guys, on our own defenders. So they would know when we would go down low, and they would avoid us and just swipe us off to the side, and we just fall. It sucked. It definitely sucked. But the thing with that is that I learned was coach was doing that for us, for our own benefits. It was, it was something that he wanted us to know constantly, right? And it, and it sucked during that time. It was hard and we hated it, but it, it was worth it. It was worth it when come game day, when we played another team, a guy didn't know that I was going for his knees, I would just do it. Like, it paid off. And in the same way, spiritual discipline is difficult, but when it's done out of reverence for Christ in mind, 
we find that the results are worth it in this life to come. I'm taking premarital counseling right now with Kim, and I'm finding and I'm learning a lot as far as if I if I learn to control my eyes now, like that's gonna benefit in my life in marriage. If I learn to tithe now, well, I have a job, but like if some of you guys don't have a job, like if you learn to tithe now, like how much more would you benefit from it when you do have a job and when you do tithe? Spiritual exercise is difficult, but with Christ in mind, we can find that our results are worth it in the life here and the life to come. So how then do we live out our spiritual lives, our spiritual discipline, right, to obtain the ultimate prize that Paul talks about? I think, number one, like all discipline, we have to have a goal. Like, people have discipline, they discipline themselves all the time for many things. And the reason for that is because they have a goal. Paul goes on to say in Philippians 3.14, says, I press on towards a goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. Paul's goal was Christ. His prize was Jesus. No greater prize than Jesus. He literally puts his life on the line for the gospel, for Jesus. But I think with, with that goal in mind, especially when it comes to spiritual discipline, we have to know the affections of our heart. Like, why am I tithing? Why am I worshiping? Why am I loving on my neighbor, right? Why am I choosing to be this person? Why am I going through this spiritual discipline? Because we could be doing the right things. We could be spiritually disciplined but totally miss the focus. I think that's one of the greatest errors the Pharisees made. They were so focused on trying to be godly that they missed the whole point of Jesus. Jesus, our main focus. Our focus are not to be on our actions, our techniques, or our or our, our ability to try to improve, but our focus should be on the glory of Christ. I do that so Christ can be glorified, man. I love on people because, because Christ loved on me, <laughs> even when I least deserved it. When I was, <laughs> when I was single <laughs> in college, uh, my life group leader used to tell me, Joel, man, just, just chase the prize. Like, think of a track race, right? And just run for Jesus. And when you're running for Jesus, look the person running beside you. And that's the person you're going to marry. So run for the goal. Jesus. Run for Jesus. Not the, <laughs> not the, not the wife. Not the wife. Um, so that's just a tip for you guys. Run for Christ. You never know what else might come with that. Uh, number two. Have accountability. Have you ever tried going to the gym by yourself and you're like, I'm going to go work out today? And then all of a sudden you're like, nah, I'm not. <laughs> but if you think about it, if you, have a, if, you have a, if you have a partner to be there with you, they can encourage you to be like, no, we said we have this goal. This is what we're going to do. In the same way, I think it's the same with our spiritual discipline. You know, if we have accountability, someone to be there for us, someone to encourage us in our walk, it's kind of easier that way. If it's, if, if it's hard reading the Bible alone, like, have someone with you there that can, you guys can do it together. The same way with prayer, praying together. I was so encouraged last year when I was here, and um, we used to do that 
that Bible study. I don't know if it was a Bible study or the, the, the plan. That was just so encouraging. Like, of my four years, I don't think we've ever done anything like that, but just getting together, just going through the word, having accountability. God created us in, for relationship. He put people in our lives for a reason. Like I, said, I mentioned earlier, this, this walk is hard, but this walk wasn't also meant to walk alone. Jesus gives us community. Think about Paul. Paul had Barnabas, his side-by-side teammate. They did things together. They were ministering to different churches. They were side-by-side. And the thing with accountability, too, especially with people close in your lives, you can ask them the tough questions like, how's your devotional life going? How's your life group going? I always joke around, but, <laughs> but I say, if we haven't seen you in church or Kyle for in three or more weeks, we start asking questions. How's your life doing? How's your walk with Jesus? I think that's the kind of standard like Chi Alpha and a community of believers can actually hold themselves to, to check on each other, to encourage one another. Lift each other up in faith, in action. And sometimes maybe that's being silent for someone else who's perhaps going through a hard time that you may not even know about. Being a brother and sister to one another. Number three is having a routine for spiritual discipline. I think that to form a life of discipline, you have to do it over and over again. You have to set a time. I'm going to do this that time, right? When I was in college, my roommate Chad, who beat me on this race, if I, if I told him I showed that, he would laugh at me. But uh, every morning, we had practice at 6.30 a.m. We had to be in meetings, and Chad would get up every morning to read his Bible before practice. So that means he got up before 6 a.m. Like, like, what? Like, I was so encouraged by Chad, and I told myself, I'm going to try that. <laughs> and, and I tried that one morning, and I tried to wake up so early, and of course he was already reading his Bible in, his, in, in time and meditation and prayer. I started reading my Bible too, and I knock out. Just like, dang, you know, and then you miss the meeting anyways because... You forgot to set the alarm again, but ah, oh. oh, but it was a routine that he set out that he said, you know what, I'm going to give this time to Jesus, you know? A regular pattern with Christ is vital in our relationship with him. Like any other relationship you have, you know, to know, this, to know the person better, you have to spend time with them, you know? And I think developing a routine of spiritual dis- discipline uh, just begins with, taking that time out for Christ. And I know we're busy Georgetown students, and, like, we have loads of things on our schedule, but I think that Christ can meet us where we are. You know, I think Christ is, he's flexible, you know? It doesn't have to be in the morning, perhaps, but meeting him, I think it could be anywhere, just maybe just before hanging out to class, just reading perhaps just a small psalms, like, Lord, just thank you for this day. Like, thank you and we get to go to Georgetown this place of privilege. You know, I think Jesus can meet us anywhere. He knows our hearts. He knows how busy we are. And I don't think, I don't think God gets mad, like, if we miss a day. You know, God loves us. He's so gracious towards us. You know what I mean? And he's willing to meet us in the classroom, in the dorms, you know, walk into Leo's in conversation. And I truly believe that he's honored when we take out time for him and he truly appreciates it. Let's pray.
Um, God, thank you, Lord, um, for something like spiritual discipline, Lord, and just training and self-control that you want us to get better at, Lord, to look more like you, Father. I pray, Lord, um, that you would give us a community that keeps each other accountable, Lord, uh, to lift each other up, to encourage one another in this walk of faith, Lord. And I pray, Lord, the most important thing, Lord, that we would be focused on you when we do these spiritual disciplines, Lord, such as praying, Lord, fasting, God, worshiping, Lord. Man, that you'd be the sole focus and the glory would, for, would be for you, Lord, the ultimate prize. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, questions. What if somebody who you are keeping accountable starts to pull you away from your own faith? What do you do? Hey. So someone who keeps you accountable is pu pulling you from your faith? Uh, I, think, I think that would be the perfect time, especially if they're keeping you accountable, to keep them accountable as well and be honest and be frank with them. And people who keep you accountable, I would say, is people that you do life with, those who are closest to you, you know? And perhaps just having an honest conversation and telling them, hey, you're pulling me away from my faith, and we're both sinking here, you know? I think it's just being honest and real with one another. Yeah, that's what I would say. And um, this will be our last question. I've implemented a routine about when to pray and how I pray, but nothing seems to be happening. What do you suggest? Oh, this is good. I was ready for this one because Carson and I talked about this. Um, Carson and I and the guys, when we did our resource group, he shared something that was really cool. He said that when meeting up with Jesus, when you, you're sending out our time and routine for Jesus, it is impossible for nothing to happen. That means, I think this, this is what it means that when we meet with God, he's truly working in us. We don't see it then, but he's working in ways that we can't even imagine. You know what I mean? And, um, and I think that's just so cool that I think half of the battle is just showing up and letting God take care of the rest. So that's what I would say, that God, God is working even though that you don't think that your, your prayers are being answered or... Um, the scripture that you're reading just doesn't make sense. I, I truly believe that God is working. And again, he appreciates you just showing up. I think that that's what he wants. So that's what I would say, that impossible is nothing. Impossible, it's impossible for nothing to happen when you spend time with Lord.